Hello and welcome to the St. Mark's podcast. Whether you regularly join us at church on Sundays or you're joining us for the very first time, we hope that this week's talk inspires you and draws you closer to Jesus. Our reading today is from Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. And it says this, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. Indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So, we are in a series on patterns. Oh, firstly, actually, my name's Ben. Hi, if you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. I'm married to Emma, who's over there, and we've got a little daughter called Phoebe, and uh, we are loving being a part of St. Mark's. We're in a series on patterns, um, and uh, over the last two weeks, we've looked at uh, the saying of Jesus, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And it's the idea that as disciples of Jesus, we enter into his invitation to take his yoke upon ourselves. Um, And some of you in the room might hear the word yoke and be thinking of like dippy egg and soldiers maybe, but it's not that kind of yoke. That is a bad yoke as well, but anyway. He's talking about something that would look a little bit more like this, if it comes up on the screen. Here we go, this is a yoke. The yoke is a farming tool and it would There we go. I'm being forced to go slow today. Uh, The yoke is a farming tool, and it would be used to bind cattle together. And Jesus is inviting us to bind ourselves to him, to learn from him, and therefore become like him. This is the invitation we enter into when we talk about patterns. And today, we're looking at the pattern of slowing. Suggested reading, by the way, for this. I was going to bring it with. Oh, it's in my bag. Not going slow. Is this book? Let's get it the right way up. It's called The Ruthless Illumination of Hurry, and it's by a guy called John Mark Homer. And I think it's brilliant. It's ace. Get yourself a copy. Give it a read. So, confession time. Yesterday, we had been at the Alpha Away Day, we were driving home, and we got to a roundabout, and the car in front of me obviously had the right of way. It was just letting cars from the next junction pull out 
all the time. We sat there for a good 20 seconds, and I just wanted to get home, and I was like, why are you not moving? Like, and Emma was like, calm down, Ben. And I was like, yeah, but I just want to get home. And uh, it just didn't pull out. Um, I did not want to go slow. So today's talk is as much for me as it is for everyone else here. So what is slowing? You might be thinking, why is Ben talking about slowing? I don't remember reading about Jesus talking about slowing. And on one level, you'd be right. Slowing isn't really one of the spiritual disciplines. Blessed are those who go slow, for they will be very zen, wasn't a beatitude. And yet, whilst you won't find any rules on any standard lists of the spiritual dis disciplines for slowing, you will find more and more teachers of the way of Jesus Christ talking about it. And it's kind of a protest against the idea of hyperliving. Hyperliving is the, the idea that in our modern world, we kind of skim along the surface of life. We're really good at being in like fingers in lots of pies or um, you know, having a lot of things going on, but not really ever going deep. We never really scratch beneath the surface. Corrie Ten Boom once said that if the, the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And there's truth in this. If we get busy and if we sin, they're both a way of cutting us off from our connection to God and other people. This doesn't mean that all busyness is wrong. There is that kind of healthy sort of busyness where life is full of good things, things that matter. They're not wasted on empty leisure or trivial pursuits. And by this definition of good busyness, Jesus himself was busy. He had important things to do. The problem isn't when you're just simply busy. It's, it's kind of more when you've got too much to do, when you enter into a state of hurry. And I wonder if you've ever found yourself in this situation. For me, I found myself in a state of hurry when we entered into lockdown, which incidentally I heard on the radio is three years ago this weekend. The, the pandemic was announced. And when we hit lockdown, I was working for a church and we realized very quickly that we needed to take our church online in order to kind of still be church, still do church um, for our congregation. And so I went from working a normal week to, to my life looking like work. I'd get up in the morning at about 20 past seven, chug a coffee before driving Emma into London, driving home again. And that journey usually would take like two hours, but lockdown, so no cars, an hour. I'm back by half eight and I start to work. Only taking breaks to chug more coffee, maybe shove some food in my mouth, um, attempt a pitiful uh, um, workout, drive back to London to pick Emma up, drive home again, cook her dinner. She'd go to bed because she'd worked at the hospital for 12 and a half hours and she'd be tired. And I'd probably pick up the work again, keep working before mind-numbingly blowing some things up on Call of Duty, 
probably for an hour, and collapsing into bed sometime between 12 o'clock and 1 a.m. before doing it all again the next day, six days a week. It was just relentless, definitely not healthy. And the thing is, when you're in the middle of a time like this in your life, you don't really realize how bad things are getting until you try to stop. And this happened for me when we took some time off in June. So we're about four months into lockdown. My life's looked like the pattern that I've described to you for the last four months. And I've kind of got used to it. It's manageable. It's okay. But we're trying to stop. We're trying to rest. And we're doing that in lockdown. So we have a week off in our flat. And I just I couldn't rest at all. My mind wouldn't switch off. I couldn't relax. It took me six whole days of restlessness and just not being able to relax to kind of enjoy my final day off before going back to work and realizing that something needed to change. And you might be thinking, Ben, that sounds horrible, but I can't really relate. Well, maybe you can relate to Emma, who's just had a baby and has to look after that baby all day, every day. And sometimes Phoebe goes down for a nap, and Em's first thought isn't self-care. It's not, oh, I'll just make myself a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, and I'll sit down for half an hour, and maybe I'll try and nap too. It's, Phoebe is down for a sleep. I must clean everything. <laughs> I don't get why. It can wait. Or maybe it's, it's this device. I don't, I don't know if any of you get the weekly notification of how much time you averaged a day um, on your phone, but this thing is an absolute time sucker. Uh, I'm alarmed. Usually it's like, it's average of three hours a day. And yes, that is like time that your phone's open, so um, it will go up if you're using it as a sat-nav or to listen to music or whatever it is, but but it's, it's a crazy amount of time that this thing drains from our lives. And we can get into such a hurry to be on it and do things rather than to experience life. So whatever the example is that works for you, if we're thinking about carrying Jesus' yoke, about being a disciple of Christ and binding ourselves to him, and learning to model our lives on him, then being in a life of hurry doesn't, doesn't really work. I don't know about you also, but I can't really imagine Jesus being in a hurry. You can't really picture turning around to Jesus and uh, him saying, sorry, I don't have time for you today. I'm in a real rush. Or if you ask Jesus for help and he goes, oh, sorry, no, no, one second. I'll be with you in five minutes, but I've just got to do my emails right now. Um, Jesus, would you spend some time with me? Yes, in a minute, but I really need to get that selfie so that I can post on Instagram. Isn't going to be something that comes out of his mouth. And granted, Jesus kind of had it easy in comparison to us because he lived in a world without modern technology. But if you think about it, you can't imagine him in a hurry. In fact, in the Bible, there are countless examples where Jesus is interruptible. He was interrupted by the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, by the lame man being lowered through the roof in Luke 5, 
In Matthew 9, Jesus is walking through a crowd and feels power go out of him, and he stops in the middle of the crowd to, to minister to a single person whilst he's walking through the hustle and bustle of everybody else. There are countless more examples if you read the Gospels, but if you indulge with me one more, this one specifically if I'm going, in my opinion, far too slow, and that is the story of Lazarus. In John chapter 11, Jesus hears that his friend Lazarus is ill. And if I were Jesus in that moment, and I had the power that Jesus had, I would be on my bike, maybe he had a bike, no, my donkey, like galloping to Lazarus as fast as possible. For for us in, in the car, hitting the motorway, being there as fast as possible. Jesus doesn't do that. He waits where he is for two days. And then he hears that his friend is dead. It's like, come on, Jesus. (laughs) We get it, you're in the slow lane. But he's just not in a rush. He's got things to do, and he's interruptible, and he's not in a hurry. And ultimately, he, he heals Lazarus, and it's an incredible miracle. Jesus is a master of going slow. In, in Romans 12, verse 2, Paul writes this. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And the message version puts it like this. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. I'm going to read that again. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. And the pattern of slowing helps us to do this, to slow down from the culture we find ourselves in, to take Jesus' yoke upon ourselves, to bind ourselves to Jesus in order to become like him and walk at his pace. John Ortberg, who's a pastor in America, has written some great books, defines the practice of slowing as cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. And it's easy when you look, when you start to look at the other practices to see why this is so important. On Wednesday at the prayer course, we were looking at the idea of contemplative prayer. And you can't really do that in a rush. You can't contemplate on speed. It doesn't really work. If you look at some of the other patterns we've explored recently, Lectio Divina, the idea of divine reading, reading God through the Bible, looking at how he's speaking to us, you can't do that in a rush. Or Sabbath, which Joel talked about two weeks ago, the idea of taking a day to rest, 24 hours to rest. You can't rush through the 24 hours because it's a day. Like the time is set there for you. You cannot do it in a rush. And so, as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Christ, we're invited to slow down. And in today's reading, we heard the story of Mary and Martha. I was, I was reading this a few months ago, and um, something kind of dawned on me that I hadn't really realized before. I think we often read the passage of Mary and Martha and we we read Mary. We see that it's good to sit at Jesus' feet and we don't really acknowledge like where Martha is in the story apart from 
Martha, busy, bad. That, that kind of is what my mind does when I read the story of Martha and Mary. And yet, there's a lot that we can learn from Martha. If you look at the beginning of the reading, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And that blew my mind because it, I'd never really realized that it was Martha that let Jesus in the, through the door. I, I always assumed that it was Mary because Mary was the one that sat at Jesus' feet, but it's not, it's Martha. And if you think about that in the context where we are, I think we could contextualize it a little bit. Martha has met Jesus and she likes him. She wants to be friends. She maybe has done the Alpha course and has come to the conclusion that Jesus really is who he says he is. And so Martha throws herself into church life. She gets stuck in. She's serving on team. Maybe she's hosting or welcoming. Maybe she's out helping run kids or youth. She's getting busy. She's out in the week and she's doing kingdom work. Jesus is in. He's through the door. But if Martha's honest, perhaps she's a little bit tired, a little bit jaded. She's potentially starting to feel frustrated and longing for that time where she first knew Jesus. Because things were simpler back then. I think Martha maybe could be missing out on the part where she's sitting at Jesus' feet. And it's so easy to do. You know, Jesus doesn't say that Martha's doing a bad thing as well. It's not like he says, Martha, bad, Mary, good. He just says, Mary, better. It's not that any of those things are wrong. It's not that any of those things are bad. Serving Jesus at church, in our work lives, wherever we are at home, all of that is good. But if we do it in our own strength, if we try and make ourselves the source and we get busy and we don't do it from a posture and a position of sitting at his feet, looking at who he is, spending time with him, enjoying his presence, learning from him, binding ourselves to him, taking his yoke upon ourselves, then we're starting to miss the point. We have to go at a pace that allows us the space to sit at Jesus' feet. And we have to take up the invitation to pick up his yoke and bind ourselves to him. So how do we slow? So in this book, on the chapter on slowing, Mark, John Mark Homer talks about the idea of, of gamification. It's the idea of creating little games or rules or practices that are fun, creative, and flexible that help us to slow down and put this into practice. And here are just a few ideas to try, and I'm speaking to myself as much as anyone else, so please hear this in grace. Drive at the speed limit. <laughs> it's so, so easy to not 
especially on the motorway. Leave five or ten minutes early so as not to be in a rush. I need to try that one tomorrow. Confession time. And what do you, what do, you do with that spare five or ten minutes? I mean, if you're five minutes early to an appointment, what could you do with that time? Maybe invite Jesus into the meeting that you have. Spend a little time in prayer. Single task. Don't multitask. Uh, I think Emma will, like, yeah, you can ask her later. I cannot multitask. It does not happen. <laughs> Even if I'm doing something and she's trying to speak to me sometimes, I can't actually concentrate on both things at, at once. It doesn't work. Walk. Thank you. <laughs> Walk. Spend some time walking. And not like, so me and my family have a bit of a joke. My, we used to go on family walks when we'd all get together. And uh, my granny would be leading the march at the front. And we used to call it the full Margaret. She, she could pace. And as little kids, we'd be like trying to keep up. Not that kind of walk, but walking at an enjoyable pace. Take some time to enjoy God's creation around you. Sabbath. Designate a day or a specific allotted space of time in your week where you rest. Rest from work. Rest from thinking about work. Stop. Pause. Delight in God's creation and worship him for all that he's done. Turn off the noise. It's so easy to allow noise to be with us 100% of the time. Whether it's getting into the car, and my car, when I turn it on, turns the radio on immediately. I don't have a choice. <laughs> it's just on. <laughs> Listening to music, having TV on in the background. Turn it off. Allow yourself some time to think, to allow the presence of God into where you are. Why slow? I want to end with uh, Psalm 27. It's kind of a picture of, of, in my mind, like the most beautiful bit of worship. It's the climax of worship. Worship is prescribed. If you look at the the kind of the rhythm of the Lord's Prayer, it starts with with adoration and praise, and it, it then invites us into a position where we get to ask. But, but it starts with this kind of upward focus. But it ends with, yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And, and it ends in this kind of realization of, of who God is, what he's done. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Psalm 27 verse 4 says, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in the temple. To dwell in his house. We're invited into a different rhythm, a different pace of life when we bind ourselves to Jesus and take his yoke upon ourselves. It's a slower pace. It's not a bad pace. 
it's a good pace. It's, it's a pace where we get to dwell in his house, to gaze upon his beauty in order that we may become more like him, in order that we may be able to share who he is with those around us. I want to add one more to the list. Be like Jesus, be interruptible. Allow yourself the space in your day to be interrupted by the things that are going on. Shall we pray? Father God, I thank you for the practice of slowing. I thank you that it's a journey that you invite each and every one of us here into. And I pray that we would learn to be like Mary, to sit at your feet. I pray you'd help us to, to put little practices into our day so that we can allow you space and time to speak to us and work in and through us. And we ask God that you would, you would allow us the, the time and the space just to rest from the busyness of life as well, God. To slow down. In Jesus' name.